I've called this morning, Pass It On, Pass It On, thinking about what it is that we pass on to others, what has been passed on to us, what the Bible says about the gospel and how we're to be passing that good news on to others. So let's just look at those verses in Psalm 78 again and another short reading as well from 2 Timothy 2. This is page 590 if you did want to look at it. And I'm just going to read this and another short reading and see where we go. My people, hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. And then these verses from 2 Timothy 2, the beginning, this is Paul writing. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Ed explained to us why those words from Psalm 78 were important to them. They wanted to pass on their faith that they'd received from their parents and their grandparents and wanted to pass that on down the generations to Angus. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy here speaks to Timothy, encouraging him to take what he's heard from Paul and entrust it to others. He says you're to pass it on, pass it on to others. There are quite a few biblical imperatives as we look at Scripture together, things that the Bible insists that Christians should do, where there's a sense of urgency and importance. And one of them, for us as Christians, is to hear what we've received and to pass it on to others. And I want to think a little bit this morning about what it means to be in the passing it on business as a follower of Jesus. Life is full of passing things on, some good, some not so good. There are some things that you don't want to pass on. You don't want to pass on an illness. You know, I have a kind of paranoia about sick bugs. If I hear someone's got a sick bug, I am anti-backing like there's no tomorrow. I don't want to pass on illnesses. Um, We need to be praying, don't we, about the coronavirus, praying for wisdom for world medics as they seek to keep that under control. There are other things that we don't want to pass on. We don't want to pass on gossip. We don't want to pass on uh, bad habits to those around us. We don't want to pass on our bad habits to them. We don't want to receive bad habits uh, ourselves. I have found myself more and more, as my children are getting older, saying things that I heard my mother saying to me. So just this week, I said the immortal words, that washing up won't do itself. (laughs) And so I've done the thing I said I'd never do, turned into my mum. The way that information is passed on has changed hugely in recent years as well. With smartphones, you can get information as quickly as you can type. WhatsApp groups, texting and so on means 
instant sharing of information. And that can be brilliant, really, really useful. It does have the potential for making uh, mistakes when you pass on information in that way. I'll tell you what my nemesis is. It's autocorrect. Has this happened to you when you're typing into your phone and the phone decides, it pre-decides something that you haven't decided and changes your message? And I've had loads, of, loads and loads of embarrassing examples of this. Um, it still makes me almost cry laughing when I think about the text I sent to someone that I didn't know very well. She had a young baby and I was in my message I was trying to apologise for forgetting to meet with her. And what I wanted to say was that my children weren't little anymore so I couldn't blame baby brain any longer for forgetting, but my phone also corrected my message with a capital letter, and I signed off this message to somebody I really didn't know very well, saying, I'm so sorry for forgetting, I can't even blame baby Brian. <laughs> and she replied, who's Brian? I've had, some, um, I've had some much more embarrassing ones than that, which I will share with you later if you're interested. There are things that we, there are things that we don't want to pass on. There are things that like news and information that have changed the way that we pass them on. And then, of course, there are the things that are really important to us that we pass on. You get a promotion. Someone you uh, love, your best friend gets a new job, and you want to tell people about it. You move house, and you want to broadcast your new address. Any good news in our lives we want others to know about. When we talk about passing it on, what it boils down to, really, is passing on what's important. You don't have to read the Bible for very long to realise that we are part of a big story that has been passed down to us through the generations, and we are called to be part of passing that on. As followers of Jesus, we are in the passing it on business. That is part of the deal. If we call ourselves his disciples, this is part of the deal. Psalm 78, verse 4, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. But not just for the next generation, but all the generations that follow. Verse 5, he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children that they would put their trust in God. There's a heritage that we are part of. There's a story of faith that is ours to tell, that's been given to us and that we are to pass to all future generations. And if you look at the verses in 2 Timothy that I read, the same principle is true there again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus. And he talks about, Paul talks about reproducing leaders here for four generations. Paul, who instructs Timothy to invest in reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul's writing this letter from um, prison in Rome, and it's not long before his death. And his heart is that what is in him is passed on, that his faith in Jesus, the faith that Ed describes, the saving faith of Jesus, the forgiveness that we find in the Lord Jesus, that that's a gospel of good news to be passed on. And Paul wants that invested uh, into leaders and others who can pass that on. And this has been the whole story of Paul's life. So it isn't surprising that as he nears his death, it's the same story. We see it throughout Paul's writing and teaching. Just two examples for you um, as he writes to the church in Corinth when he shares about the institution of the Lord's Supper that's to be remembered and a practice to be passed on. He says, 1 Corinthians 11, I receive from the Lord what I also pass to you. It came to me, 
I pass it to you. And uh, again, when he talks about the, the, the wonder of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And what is it that's of first importance? That Christ died for our sin according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What I've got, I give. What I've received, I pass on. That's a repeated pattern in Paul's life and ministry. Paul uses the word entrust to Timothy. The things you've heard me say, he says, entrust them to reliable people. Paul has given Timothy something valuable that needs to be protected. He wants Timothy to keep that safe. And actually, as we think about what it means to pass on the gospel, it's actually quite a helpful image to think about. Actually, this this gospel we've been given, what we are charged with is keeping it safe. When we think about protecting a valuable item, normally we think about locking it away. You have a special ornament or something, and it's locked behind a glass cabinet. If you go on holiday abroad, you've got your valuable documents with you. Do you know, and you're twitchy, aren't you, the whole time about them? Um, if I go away somewhere, you know, I've got my passport, and if I'm in a hotel, I'll put it in the hotel safe, and I will, I will still quadruple check. If I go to an Airbnb-type place, I'll hide the documents in a secret place and hope that I can remember where I found them. Things that are valuable to us, we lock away, we hide away. But actually, the opposite is true for valuable news. If you're to protect valuable news, the way to ensure that it's not lost is the opposite concept. It's to broadcast it. How do you keep it safe? By giving it away, passing it on, so that as many people as possible have got it. If you've got news to be safeguarded, you get it out into the hands of people who can be relied upon to get it out again. Something to be kept safe. It's been entrusted to us, but we don't lock it away. We broadcast it. We give it away. We give it away. That's how we protect the gospel. It's protected as we pass it on person to person. We become part of a a living chain of truth that extends through the centuries. This is part of discipleship. It is part of the deal if we call ourselves Christians. There's a biblical mandate given to us by Jesus to pass the gospel on. And the mandate is this. Jesus says, come and follow me. And then he says, go and pass it on. We come to Jesus, we come to him. We come to to him to follow him. We come to be his disciples. We decide to trust him, to be lifelong learners. We say we're going to walk with him all of our days. If you haven't come to Jesus, it's a most wonderful thing. A life of trust and adventure and security and hope. But it doesn't end with that. That's just half the story. We come to him and then we are to pass it on. There's invitation and there is challenge to take what we know to be true, this best news in the universe that's ours, and pass it on. So what do we do with this imperative? Just a couple of thoughts. I wonder if the first thing that is helpful to us this morning is to remember our heritage. I think we would be much more inclined to be motivated to pass on the good news of Jesus if we treasure and remember how we received it. I wonder who it was for you who was key 
in passing on the gospel to you. Wonderful to hear that great granddad George, as a, as a grandfather holding Ed in his arms on the day he was born, I think he said, and prayed for him. And then praying now for Angus. Who, was, who are the key significant people in your story? It might be family. You may have that Christian upbringing. It might be your parents and grandparents that you owe a huge amount to. It may well be other significant individuals. My family aren't Christians. I didn't have a faith framework growing up. When I think about my heritage, I can think about key individuals at key points on my journey. I think of a family who welcomed me into their home. I think of key people who invested in me and gave me time and opportunities. Think about our young people at Dalesdown at the moment. Isn't it an amazing thing that Andy, our youth pastor, and his team have taken 40 of our teenagers away? You know, I thank God for our youth leaders and our children's team who are doing this for our children and young people week after week, investing in the next generation. Perhaps one of our takeaways this morning could be to be proactive in honouring and thanking those who entrusted the gospel to us, to pray for them, to let them know, to say thank you, write to them maybe. There have been a few times when people have written to me, you know, years later, letting me know of some kind of small impact. And it, honestly, it's the most precious thing to receive. Remember our heritage. Remember our heritage. And then when we've done that, we are to take it personally. The call is there to come to him and to pass it on. And if every believer took that seriously, if every single Christian who said they professed Jesus as Lord, if everyone took that seriously, then, well, churches in our nation would be bursting at the seams. There would be far less unreached people groups around the globe who haven't heard the good news of Jesus. It was a risky strategy for, for God to choose to use people in passing on his message. It was risky because he's actually given us a choice as to whether we partner with him or not in his mission. And it was risky because in order for it to work, it needs everybody on board. I've been thinking about this person this week, Leonardo Fibonacci, a 12th century mathematician. He's famous for what is now known as the Fibonacci sequence. Um, Fibonacci was asked to solve a maths problem. If you put a pair of rabbits in a place surrounded by walls, how many pairs of rabbits can be produced from that pair in a year if every month each pair produces a new pair? This is not a biology lesson about rabbit reproduction. Um, now, Fibonacci had a problem. The only tools that he had to calculate those numbers were Roman numerals. Roman numerals were clumsy. They barely enabled um, Fibonacci to, to add and subtract, let alone a complicated sum like rabbit reproduction. And uh, Fibonacci was frustrated. He remembered that when he had travelled as a boy with his father, he was introduced to 10-digit Arabic numerals, and he started to use them to calculate. And the result was a sequence, which has become known as the Fibonacci sequence. For your interest, because I know you're desperate to know, Fibonacci calculated that after one year, there would be 233 pairs of rabbits. After two years of rabbit reproduction, there would be more than 150,000 rabbits. And after two and a half years, there would be more than two and a half million rabbits. Fibonacci, Fibonacci didn't uh, 
just solve the problem of rabbit reproduction. The bigger thing, he introduced Arabic numerals to Europe, which completely changed the way that we do maths and how we count. And I would suggest that in order to see the world one with the good news of Jesus, we need a different kind of maths. Jesus has given his church the target of rapid reproduction. Think about Acts 1 verse 8 when he says, um, you'll be my witnesses. He says, we're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How do we take his mission to the ends of the earth? And we do it by passing on the gospel. But we can't do it if only a few people do the passing on. It only works if all of us pass it on. If we rely on the ones and the twos, if we rely on, I don't know, the the minister or the missionary, if we rely on someone who's keen or you think has got a gift of evangelism, then actually we won't reach many. That's like Fibonacci using Roman numerals to do the maths. We need a new kind of maths if we're to see the gospel reach to the ends of the earth. And the new maths is for every person to see themselves in the passing it on business, for everyone to be up for their part, that it's a calling for us all. Because if we all see one friend come to faith, and that one friend sees one friend come to faith, that's a new kind of maths. That's the rapid reproduction. That's to the ends of the earth kind of reproduction that Jesus calls us to. And it starts with reaching one. This desire for discipleship and for us to be a a community of disciple-making disciples is right at the heart of our church. Our church aim is for people to commit to and become more like Jesus. That's our aim. That's what we measure everything up against. That's how we measure what we do, how we see the value of all the things that we're doing. It's this desire for um, people to commit to and become more like Jesus in Ken, our senior minister, that has led him onto a new role from here in May. The desire that's been in Ken for all of the years he's been in this church, that this church will be a community that make disciples, and then those disciples make disciples. He's now taking that desire into a new place. He'll be working with an organisation called LICC, who are passionate about whole life discipleship, that actually all that I've been saying, that the Christian faith affects all of our life and for every believer, influencing the whole of our lives, wherever we find ourselves in our week. And uh, Ken is moving on from here and he's going to be linking, not just with our church anymore, but lots of churches to encourage their church family to what it looks like for individual churches and church communities to work out their faith in their frontline places. And we're in a season of transition now because of Ken's move. If you've been here for a little while, you'll know that we are thinking as a church about the process, the process we are currently in, in looking for a new team leader as Ken is moving on. Thank you that so many of you came to our last church meeting where we talked about the process for that. And for your information, if you weren't there, what we're doing at the moment is putting together a a church profile It's a bit like a CV for a church, really. It outlines the kind of church that we are, the shape that we are. And a search team has been put together 
from the staff and the leadership, a small search team who's doing quite a bit of background work on that profile, getting that ready to go out. And then the plan is to bring that to our church meeting in March. And then that will go out in both formal and informal routes as we seek God as to the next um, a team person here at CBC. Please go on praying about that process with us. And I'll tell you what's been really good is that when you're in a period of transition and change, it makes you look again at who you are. It's like if you're applying for a job, I guess, and you put your own CV together and you think, actually, what shape am I? What do I want to do? What is important to me? It's like that for us as a church in this transition. And it's been really good for us to come back to our church aim again and just remind ourselves again that we really are committed to our church aim, that people would commit to and become more like Jesus. That the reason we're here is to help people find him and become like him. And our profile is going to reflect that, that we want to go on being missionally shaped. It's going to describe the fact that we, are, we will go on leaning towards the lost, the last, the little and the least in our community. And while we do need a staff team and a team leader to lead the team and the church, the reason for the appointments is to help mobilise the whole church in keeping mission as a priority. As we move forward into this season, it's really positive to think of Ken moving on, going on, taking that call seriously, that every single believer should pass it on, and that we're continuing to take that call seriously as well for our church, that the heart of who we are is that we are helping people find Jesus and then making more disciples, every single one of us. So as we go into our week, let's remember that we are part of this big narrative. We are part of this down-the-generation story, this big story that we find our place in, that faith has been passed down to us through the generations. Let's remember our heritage, and let's remember that we are all called, every single one of us, to be in the passing it on business. And each one of us, we don't have to win the world. We just have to pray for one. According to gospel maths, it just takes all of us to pray and share with one or two. Who are we going to meet this week that we can pray for? Who will we find at work, at the school gate, in our home, with our neighbours, at the gym that we can share the love of Jesus with, share practical help and his love in his name? Who do we know that we can invite to one of our alternative gatherings or to Alpha or for a conversation? Jesus is calling his worldwide church to be a transformative, missional, reproductive movement. And how do we do that? We do that really simply by every single one of us who's given our lives to Jesus, committing to passing on the gospel, knowing that he promises us his help and his power. Amen. Let's pray while the band come back, shall we? Let's pray together. Maybe you just want to remember your heritage. Have you got anybody that you're just calling to mind who has been really important in entrusting the gospel to you? Just bring them to mind and thank God for them. And are there one or two people that you know this week you'll be rubbing shoulders with?
that you just want to pray for an opportunity, a conversation, a way to show kindness. Lord, we want to take the invitation and challenge seriously to come to you and then pass it on. Amen.